Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. Because it all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lansing got some beards that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans. Welcome in. It is the Sox on Tap postgame show here. Unfortunately, an extra innings lost to the Royals to discuss here on Sunday. We could say fun day, but it's not too fun, Tony. No, not too fun, Johnny. And uh, we've been drinking for quite a few hours now. Misery beers at this point? Yeah, that's, a, that's the title of this. If you saw it on the, uh, the Twitter, uh, it is Misery Beers. Um, that's what we're dealing with here today. Um, a game in which the White Sox had opportunities and did not capitalize, Tony. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. And it was a very winnable game, unable to get the job done. Yeah, so multiple in, multiple instances. Uh, if we're just breaking into this one, uh, before we do actually get to the game breakdown, um, once again, make sure you go to ontapsportsnet.com for all Chicago sports literature and podcasting needs, uh, following us on Twitter at Sox on Tap and at Ontap Sportsnet. And as always, you need Chicago sports merchandise, go to Grandstand. All your White Sox needs, uh, they have them there very close to the ballpark, so uh, very convenient as well. So go to Grandstand Sox, uh, follow them on social media at Grandstand Sox, and visit GrandstandSox.com for a virtual shopping experience. So now that we've got that out of the way, Tony, um, let's start initial thoughts from this game here Sunday. Um, Would have liked to have the mini sweep of Kansas City, obviously, uh, like we talked about, just had multiple opportunities to – do that, and we're not able to. But as we start in this one, Dylan Cease is a starter today. Um, I did like the stuff. Just first initial thought here for me. Dylan Cease, man, I, you know, dude, I do not give Dylan Cease any slack right now. Um, I haven't given him any slack for a while now. And he was able to come out tonight, did not, or today, this afternoon, feels like night. Uh, came out today, got through, you know, a couple innings clean, Johnny, and that's exactly what you wanted to see from him. I have not been able to say that uh, Dylan Cease has gone through the first two innings without giving up a home run very often. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm able to say that today. Uh, the the hammer was working too. His breaking stuff was just absolutely nasty. Yeah, the the biggest takeaway from Dylan Cease is that the stuff was dancing. He made the ball dance today, and that was excellent to see. Both the slider and the breaking ball. Fastball had good zip on it. You sit in 98, 97. Um, so that was nice to see. And like you said, mitigating early damage. Not you know we we've been at many a games personally, Tony, where yeah. you and I are sitting there baking in the sun on a hot summer's day. Uh, down in section 149, and Dylan Cease has like three home runs allowed through two innings, and it's fucking embarrassing. Normally, the like Sox, you know, so Nelson Cruz, that, Max Kapler. Uh, that, yeah, exactly. Uh, usually for those usual suspects, but uh, Dylan Cease overall can't be too much to complain about. Obviously, did end up giving up the tying run there later in the game, um, but you know, it, it was for the most part much cleaner uh, than we've seen overall. So it was. Uh, I, I think that covers Dylan Cease to start here once again, just big movement on the pitches was uh, kind of the biggest takeaway for me. So uh, it's nice to see because we all know the stuff is there. It's about putting it together. So um, it, it looked like he at least took a step forward in that regard today. Um, it, let's go another initial thought here, just looking at his battery mate, Zach Collins. Why the fuck doesn't he have red catchers gear for Sunday games? We, you, we were talking about 
about this early on, like uh, Yasmani Grandal last year, McCann, everybody uh, who was behind the plate on Sunday games had the red gear, just looked out of place. Uh, you brought up the point, like it, it looked like he didn't even know he was starting today, put on the wrong gear. Um, that's a that's a valid question there, Johnny. I don't think it's something that we need to harp too much on, but it's just an just interesting not, thought. It's, it's an observation. observation from the game because he yeah. also, if you notice, he had a black uh, helmet instead of the navy blue one with the old uh, 83 Sox uh, kind of script font across it. So uh, that's another, uh, you know, just observation initially here too. All right, let's get to missed opportunities. Our fucking favorite thing, Tony, runners in scoring position. Excuse me. It's our least favorite thing because the White Sox can't goddamn bring them in. Uh, both the second inning, uh, bases loaded there. I'll harp on my guy, Lurie, here. Sure, he did get an out, uh, excuse me, a run in, which we'll talk about in a little bit as we get there, but he he fucked him, and he left the bases loaded with two outs there. We kind of ground out, line out to second base there. Uh, and then once again, in the third inning, Robert leads off with a double in that inning, and um, excuse me, one out double uh, in that inning. And the White Sox not able to bring him home despite having, you know, I think Jose Abreu got him over to third. But after that, you would hope that someone like you on Moncada or Mercedes bring him in, right? Well, you would hope. Um, and that's what I feel like we're doing every single time where we've got runners in scoring positions. And it doesn't matter how many outs there are, Johnny. It's just we've seen some consistency here with the inability to get the job done. doesn't matter who it is, who's up at the plate. Uh, there's just a lack of finish on this team right now. Um, you know, obviously you had the chance to break this one open more than enough times uh, tonight. And it's the Kansas City Royals, man. You got to be able to beat the teams yeah. that you're supposed to beat in order to, you know, take your claim of the AL Central. That's the job right now. Um, I think it was Sale who was in the comments just a few minutes ago here uh, had said something along the lines of we're a game back later. This one's going to hurt. And it absolutely will, because today is the definition of winnable game, especially when you get a solid Solid start out of uh, Dylan Cease. Michael Kopech comes into the game and just absolutely has filthy stuff. Um, and you're just not able to close it down and, and get out of it. So, yeah, I mean, the, the runners in scoring position thing, Johnny, it's going to continue to be a sticking point on this show, I think, for a lot of people. Um, until they're able to consistently get that job done, though, that's that's going to be – it's going to yeah. start to stick with you. That's a hard slump to break out of. Yeah, no, it, it definitely is. And, you know, obviously you're missing a couple bats. Obviously we know about Eloy Jimenez, but you are missing Tim Anderson as well. Maybe things go a little bit differently if uh, Timmy is in the lineup today. And also uh, Collins starting over Grandal. Uh, maybe there's more soreness there than we're leading on to. But shit, you know me. I'm a yes man. I would have loved to see him in the lineup, especially with two days off uh, with the scheduled already off day Friday and then uh, yesterday's rain out. So um, let's get into a little bit of the scoring, though. Uh, Lurie opens it up with a RBI uh, double in the bottom of the fourth. So, uh, yeah, sure, he did fuck up earlier, and I would have liked it for him to bring in uh, the runs in the big spot in the second inning. But uh, he does eventually get it done uh, in the bottom of the fourth uh, with an RBI double. That was our pick to click today, Tony. Mm-hmm. It was, and we caught a little slack on the on the Twitter sphere uh, for picking Lurie. And uh, you know what? He ap- he absolutely deserved that pick to click because he's a legend, right, Johnny? Lurie, legend, baby. That's, that's all I got to say. So, like I said, that was just uh, recapping the scoring here. That's uh, you know Lurie, Lurie with that RBI double, uh, bring one in there. Unfortunately, the Royals would top it up, tie it up in the top of the fifth. Uh, with a Merrifield two-out RBI single, Dylan C still in the game. Then, um, you know, we knew when I what I say to you when I turned over, I said one run wasn't going to win this game anyway. Yep. So that's what we knew. And I want now getting to a point that you had brought up, Michael Kopech. How fucking good has he been so far this year and today? He's been phenomenal. And uh, you know, we had a lot of discussion during this game about his role and where he plays, and just how convenient that it is right now for the White Sox to be able to have Michael Kopech in that reliever spot. Um, you know, he's, he's 
arguably one of the best pitchers on this staff right now, if not the best from performance-wise outside of Lance Lynn. Michael Kopech has just been absolutely automatic when he's on the mound. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I you asked me the other day on the mm-hmm. postgame show, I said, is Michael Kopech back? Because I needed to see him physically on the mound doing things. Yes, he's physically on the mound doing things and doing them effectively. So Michael Kopech is very much back. Um, I guess that leads to the question, would you have let him ride it out? Or, uh, you know, on tap contributor Patrick Comiskey tweeted out, um, after the run eventually was given up that we'll get to, uh, but would you have let him ride it out instead of going to bummer here? You know, I, just because I like Michael Kopech, I guess you could say if I was uh, playing MLB The Show uh, and I had Michael Kopech in that game, I probably would have left him in. I mean, just judging uh, by the way he was throwing, uh, he was still hitting his spots. He was looking great. I probably would have let it ride. Uh, obviously, uh, you're coming into this game with a plan. So LaRusso had a plan to go to Bummer, and that's what he did. So I'm not going to try and question it too much, but I, me personally, I would have rode with Kobe. Yeah, no, I see. I understand, like, you know, the plan of the game. Uh, but, yeah, just when you go game field, too, uh, and taking that into consideration, I, you know, looking back, hindsight's 2020, easy for us to sit here and say that right now. But uh, just a reality of the situation that eventually uh, became part of a, you know, kind of, momentum changing uh you know uh play here uh because in the top of the eighth uh lopez leads off of the walk steals second uh ben and tenny hits the one out rbi single um and this is off of um uh aaron bummer at this point and uh it hasn't gone as swimmingly as the analytics guys projected for Aaron bummer so far no and you know i'll be the first one to get on here and then start to poke poke that bear just a little bit johnny i mean this is a guy who I think a lot of Sox fans thought was going to be uh, in that closer role. There was a lot of takes out there that said, you know, Aaron Bummer, why do we even need to sign a closer? Let's just ride it out with Bummer. Well, this is exactly the case as to why you spend money to fortify your bullpen. Uh, Aaron Bummer has not looked good at all early on this season. And um, obviously last year had some some difficulties as well with injuries and uh, just trying to battle himself back uh, into what he was before. Uh, Johnny, it just doesn't look the same. Yeah, no, it it, it doesn't so far. So um, I, I'm not giving up on him by any means. I do think that nasty shit is still there. It's about harnessing it and uh, get, getting your mind in the game. Like, hey, I'm the setup guy or whatever your role is at that particular uh, given game. And uh, I'm going to get it done. That's what he needs to re kind of focus on here. But either way, that was only the one run that tied it up. Um, and, or excuse me, that uh, gave the Royals the lead there. But we got Adam Eaton. We we Eaton, Tony. We, we come in clutch here uh, in the bottom of the eighth. Like Merce- that one. Mercedes, Mercedes leads off with a walk. Uh, Eaton comes up, hits the pinch hit, two-run home run. Everybody's thinking Tony's Lewis is a genius at this point. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people, uh, when, you, when you go in and make that move, uh, obviously there's a lot of people who are very high on Andrew Vaughn. There's a lot of people who are very high on Andrew Vaughn, and they're high on him for one reason, and that's his bat. So they want to see him in a situation like this. Obviously, Vaughn has had a little bit of a struggle to start this year, John. I think we we all know that. Uh, but there's a lot of people who want to see him ride that out. Uh, obviously, Tony La Russa, thinking a little bit differently here, goes with Eaton, and it pays off. And, yeah, whenever it works, he looks like a genius. Uh, had that gone the opposite way, we would have probably seen some different stuff on uh, on the old Twitter timeline. Yeah, no, uh, definitely. And uh, also just kind of a, a supplementary note that I don't think many would think about. Sure, yes, that at-bat's important. You need those runs to be able to, like, stay in this game. But after that, when you're thinking late inning kind of stuff, um, 
Eaton may have been already a potential defensive replacement regardless. So yep. I just want to bring that up that yeah. there may be multiple layers to that move there. Um, but let's talk about what happened after this because the White Sox probably could have tacked on more uh, if not for a little bit of a mm-hmm. weird play. So um, after Collins, Collins walks after that Eaton home run and then Madrigal uh, lays down a bunt and he's going to first and he tries to evade the tag. Uh, from the pitcher there. And to me, in my opinion, we talked about it. You said, what, Mindic Madrigal is like five, like seven or whatever the hell his height is. Yeah. It wasn't what even close to one Nick Madrigal height length that he <laughs> do- went out of the line to go. But either way, you looked up the rule and, okay, yeah, this may be a, been the right call. And the, the throw eventually hits Madrigal in the helmet and pops off and should have been run- or originally was runners on second and third. But then they call that back. Madrigal called out for interference. Um, and Zach Collins has to go back to first. So thoughts on that play overall? Yeah, I did try and do a little look up on that rule there. And I guess if you do leave what is technically considered that base path, that little path right there after the 45-foot mark, um, you've got those two white lines. Technically, you can be called out for interference on an umpire judgment call uh, coming down that line there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but, you know, uh, that that is a judgment call. I think it could have gone either way. Probably shouldn't have been held as, as strictly as it was there. Uh, but that interference is the reason why Zach Collins winds back up over on, on first base. And uh, I mean, just probably a little bit of bullshit there all around. Um, but uh, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sit here and harp on, on the umpires calls here to, yeah. to say that this is the reason this team lost the game because you had plenty of fucking opportunities to, to drive in yeah. runs. And this wasn't even one of them. Uh, it probably could have changed a little bit uh, the tone of the game, but uh, you know, plenty of opportunities to, to actually win, uh, with the bat instead of, you know, having to rely on that call because you're going to get those over the course of the season. Yeah, you know, indeed. And so as we round out that inning, uh, Larry Garcia grounds into a force second. Uh, Luis Robert lines out to end the inning. And then we go to the top of the ninth. All-star closer, Eric, or excuse me, Liam Hendricks, uh, pay big money to, comes in. Uh, what does Carlos Santana forever thorn in the side of the White Sox do? Hits a fucking home run to tie this thing up. Um, couldn't have drew that up, you know, more perfectly there. Yeah. For a, like you know, like just he's a White Sox killer, man. Like yeah, he's just he, one of those guys. We were talking about this before the game started. Um, you know, just guys that have been around the AL Central that you just fucking hate seeing. He's one of them. Yeah, yeah, obviously doing it for a long time uh, for the Cleveland Indians against the White Sox. So, uh, so I'm here in, in the Royals uniform, and we kind of honestly, when I saw that signing uh, back over the winter, Tony, I am not completely shocked that we're seeing something like this right now because I knew he would continue to be a thorn in the side of the White Sox. So, uh, with Liam Hendricks, I'm not like banishing him. I'm not saying like you know I want to go back to him and I want him to go and lock the thing down. But it just sucks when you're seeing these because he gave up on Otani in that, you know, what second game of the season uh, back in L.A. And then he gives up a home run here. And I know guys aren't perfect. They're prone to things like that. But fuck, when you pay closer that much money, you just kind of expect it to be locked down every time. Well, you know, I think this goes back to some things that people aren't going to want to hear out of my mouth. But we're used to the closer just locking it down. And Alex Calame did a pretty damn good job of doing that in the ninth inning. I mean, the peripherals weren't there. Okay. We can talk about it, but fuck dude. Like we haven't really had those blown saves for the past two years that like really eat at us. Like this one does. And I, I believe you're actually one person who said before, like when we were talking about the whole Alex Calame moving on from the white Sox, like, you know, there's a chance we're going to be looking back at this era 
of like Alex Calame as the closer sitting there saying like, fuck man, like you didn't realize how good he was at, yeah. at closing these ball games down. And obviously like, I know he blew the save today over in Minnesota. It doesn't fucking matter. I'm glad they lost, but just for the last two years, we're looking back at, at, at what, he did, baseball, what uniform, he did in the White Sox uniform. What he did in the White Sox uniform, he closed ball games. Uh, we're not used to this kind of heartache. That that makes this one sting even more. Yeah, no, I would agree with you. So we, as we get to the bottom of the ninth, uh, Abreu leads off with a walk, um, thinking that there could be a potential walk-off opportunity here. Obviously, Jose could be a good candidate for that. Uh, he swung through one that really yes. looked like he was trying to hit it, you know, uh, onto the Dan Ryan out there. Uh, that wasn't the case. Otherwise, he walks, and then uh, Mancata. This is, you know, uh, he, you know, he hit the home run on opening day, so you can't, you know. And there's been ups and downs yeah. a little bit with him so far. And I picked him as our team MVP on the Sox on Tap season preview show, but uh, yeah. he grounds into the double play, which kind of hurts here uh, because uh, Williams would line out after that, and then we know we're going to the bullshit. The bullshit. If you think anything, this extra uh, inning. Runner on second rules, anything but bullshit. Get out of the live stream. Go unfollow us. Go unfollow on tap sportsnet and go unfollow me and Tony personally. Um, because the extra inning runner on second rule is bullshit. Play the game, let a baseball team win the game. Either way, we get there. We're in the top of the tenth. Uh Taylor is the last runner, so you got good speed on second for the Royals. Uh, you made the last out for them before that. So he's on second. Uh butt moves him over to third. Another bunt brings him home, and Garrett Crochet was in uh, fucking spikes the ball. I mean, I know the pitcher's mm-hmm. supposed to, you know, throw home there, quick play, and he just throws so goddamn hard. I think he fucking just whipped it a little too much uh, over over his uh, well, yeah, shoulder. I mean, you saw him just wind up and want to crank that thing home like yeah. he always does. And, you know, the, the, rule, the rule aside, like, yeah, obviously there's going to be games that the White Sox win this year because of that rule. Uh, you know it. I know it. Um, hopefully – uh, you know, when that time comes, it's just as bullshitty as this is because, you know, at this point, you got to make an example of, of something that's stupid, Johnny. Yeah. You yeah. have to make an example of it. But, you know, th- again, th- this game shouldn't have even been in fucking extra innings. That That's that's the point that I want to drive home to. And you yeah. heard me as soon as, yeah. as, soon as we yeah. went to extras. I'm like, I didn't even want to see a White Sox game go to extras this year because, first off, I don't want to see this fucking stupid rule. But second off, like, this team had its chances today to beat a Kansas City Royals team that it should – you know, kick their teeth in nine times out of 10 when they play. Obviously, you're going to have your losses. This is one where, you know, again, if we go back just a week ago, I'm telling people, like, chill out. You know, we we just lost one here in Seattle. But, like, this one is a little different. This is, this is in your division. This is the Kansas City Royals. This is you had a lead. You had runners in scoring position multiple times in order to drive them in. You don't get the job done. Um, you know, th- these ones do hurt and you start to stack those on with games like game three and in, in Seattle. And yeah, that's, that's where problems start. Brewing. Yeah. So the White Sox go down quietly in the top of the 10th or excuse me, the bottom of the 10th. Uh, that was Cal Eaton with K Collins with K. Um, eventually fizzled out with a magical ground out, um, to end this thing. Uh, Tony, I know you talked about, you know, obviously they had the opportunities with runners in scoring position. They do need to get better at that overall. It's not just this game. There were opportunities in the Seattle series. There were opportunities in the LA series. Both. Uh, but oh, yeah, you see. know what? Sometimes those happen in a pitcher, you know, as much as we like talk about our pitchers being nails, locking shit down. Sometimes, you know, when they come in and they're, you know, like, you know, work out of jams or something like that. Sometimes it happens for other pitchers too. So yeah. I'm going to go and put the biggest blame today. Um, hate to do it. because I love the guy, but on Liam Hendricks, that's you, you talk about a game where it's a little bit, you know, kind of fucking, you know, sure. You had your opportunities. You went back and forth a little bit, but once you did have that lead, it wasn't like the White Sox were trailing or tied right. at that point. They still had the lead, 
at that point. And Liam Hendricks, your lockdown closer, um, allows one to Carl Santana. I know that shit's going to happen too, but that is where I'm putting most of the onus on this game here. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I could, I could sit there and agree with you on that one, but just for sake of, of, you know, debate, I, I still kind of hold firm that, you know, your hitters got to get the job done, um, and put runs on the board in order for the pitching to lock it down and, and get you there. Uh, obviously the White Sox did have a one run lead. So, um, to that point, yes, but they could have been up four, four, one, five, one at that point in time already. Yeah. And, no, and, and then, you know, you know what? They're, then they're, you've got a little room to work if you're Liam Hendricks. A little That's, wiggle room. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a little bit of wiggle room. I mean, we talk about insurance runs being cool and tough and, and, and how important they are. No insurance runs. And this is, this is, you know, this is something that can happen. Yeah. You, no, you just can't it, get across the plate. And you know, both extremely valid points there, but I think it's just uh, kind of the more mentality, like, you know, the, what was Liam Hendricks in Oakland? Like you basically like, you know, thought the game was over when this guy entered the game. And that's what I want it to be here on the South side. Now. Well, so yes, yes. We're not okay, seeing so that I, completely early. So that's, but I think it's good though, because I can go back to yours and tarp well, on I, the second and third innings. That's I can, where I'll go I back can, to. I can agree, with, I can agree with you position. there. If you got a closer coming in with a one run lead, you know, he was your big free agent off, you know, free agent acquisition this offseason. You want him to be able to get that done, whether that's one run, two runs, three runs, four runs. You want that guy to come in, be tough as nails, lock that down, because that's what you're paying him to do. So, again, there is some there is some onus to be placed on that. Uh, so I agree with you there. Uh, I just want I, I want them up by two or three runs. Yeah. With the on the Royals, with the, yeah, on, on the Royals bullpen. You should be able to get some runs across. Not able to do it today. Uh, so just bad all around. Yeah, it's it, bad all around. It's bad. Okay, yeah, okay. Buzzing on here, but we're still getting okay in here. It's yeah. bad. It's bad okay. all around. Um, you know, well, White Sox end up splitting technically that weird two game series. I know the third will be made up as part of a doubleheader later um, in kind of mid May. So uh, we will look out for uh, that game going forward there in a split doubleheader. Um, I can deal with the seven innings rule on that doubleheader, but I wish there wouldn't be the goddamn runner on extra base because, you know, what, what's the worst that can happen? You actually play a real length baseball game yeah. in there. <laughs> so we'll, we'll see how we'll see how that one shakes out. But uh, let's uh, look ahead then to uh, this next series. We, we've got the hot Cleveland Indians coming into town. They just swept the Tigers. And, it's not, you know, yeah, that's the t- not saying it, is, it is the Tigers, but that's three wins. So that at least gets the mojo going a little bit for a central division rival. Yeah, it's not saying much to, to sweep the Tigers. But at the same rate, you know, the Sox were unable to handle their business with the uh, Kansas City Royals. So uh, another divisional matchup here, Johnny. Uh, another team that you arguably should beat. I think that the Indians are going to be a test for the White Sox here, though, because, A, they are hot. They're coming in. Uh, they've been doing what they're supposed to do and beat up on lesser teams as well there. I mean, the Detroit Tigers and the Kansas City Royals are uh, no uh, they're no no stranger to the basement of the AL Central these days. So, uh, you know, the Indians, it's a different look than what we're used to over the past few years. You know, no more Lindor there, um, you know, just not as much pop and power in this lineup. Um, so. Johnny, this is we need to we need to beat them. We just have to beat them. Like there's no there's no ifs ands or buts around this one. They're still going to be that team that's a little bit naggy. Um, they're they're still going to be able to play a good baseball game and probably frustrate you. Uh, but you know this is where you want that 
that White Sox offense to show up, the dominant pitching, the starting pitching that we talked about, the, the best bullpen in baseball that's been talked about. You you want to see this on full display against a team like the Indians because they're a middle-of-the-pack team, Johnny, and you need to be able to rise above those teams. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you talk about the offensive uh, kind of power uh, even dwindling more than it already – it was already pretty sparse for them. It was essentially a two-man show in uh, Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. Obviously, we all know uh, Francisco Lindor shipped off to New York uh, along with Carlos Carrasco. So that's another name out of there. Not that they're you know uh, short on pitching by any means, but either way, it's another name out of there. Um, so when we're talking about these Indians, we'll get Tristan McKenzie on the mound uh, for the Tribe on Monday night to open the series here um, in 2020. Uh, he pitched eight games, two and one record, uh, three, two, four ERA over 33.1 innings, uh, 42 strikeouts and a 0.90 whip. So um, we're going to have Rodon lining up opposite him. And uh, I, I think it's going to be a much different test. And, you know, even though uh, the Indians bats aren't outstanding by any means, um, it's going to be a tougher test than the Seattle Mariners for Carlos Rodon, right? It will. It will. And, and some of these guys have seen Carlos Rodon before. Uh, but you know what? It, it's still going to be, you know, a uh, first first home start of the year for, for Rodon. Uh, first start in front of fans in a little while. Um, you know, hopefully that there's enough energy in Rodon and, and just in the ballpark uh, that's going to propel him a little bit. He looked good in Seattle. He looks he looked pretty damn good in Seattle. Uh, I'd like to see him just build off of what he did there. Uh, and continue that in his next start, man. I mean, these are the building blocks. Uh, I was a little bit more worried about Dylan Cease today uh, than I was about Carlos Rodon coming up here in in, uh, in his next matchup. But um, you know, right now uh, it's just next man up. You got you got a good start out of Dylan Cease today. You weren't able to capitalize on it. Uh, just keep that line moving. I mean, this is this comes off the heels of Lance Lynn, you know, starting to set the tone for the rotation. I would argue that Dylan Cease did his job today, Johnny. I think you can you can agree with that. Yeah. Uh, so it's just next man up. Keep those starts. Just keep you know plowing through quality starts for this rotation. Save that bullpen as much as you can, and you know just keep going out because you've got what is this eleven games in a row coming up here with no days off. Uh, you're going to need some strong starts here, and you you have a tax Liam Hendricks right now at the end of your bullpen, so. Uh, hopefully you don't even need to go to them. Yeah, yeah I, I hope that's the case. I hope the White Sox are putting up multiple runs where there's not even – Crooked uh, numbers. Not even – yeah, crooked numbers. Crooked numbers. Off, um, and not even a safe situation to be had there. Um, I really hope that's the case too. Um, I'll, I'll lead in with this about the Indians. Um, I, I'm not taking anything away from Tristan McKenzie. I'm sure he's one of the next you know products of their, their pitching lab out in Cleveland. They always do it well. But it's better to face him than – Shane Bieber coming up. Yes, it's absolutely better to face him than Shane Bieber. I don't think anybody wants to face Shane Bieber. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't if I. I don't think anybody does. Uh, you know, even someone like Jose Abreu probably doesn't want to face Shane Bieber. Um, so I will say, at least there's a little bit of a break there, and that's you know, not that's a we'll, we'll see what uh, how it shakes out for the rest of the series because when you're looking at um, Tuesday, obviously that goes back to the top for the White Sox, and uh, we'll have Lucas Giolito there. So we'll be closing it out with the top three of the rotation. Um, I think we'll, if we're looking forward even past Monday's game 
Um, I think the biggest uh, kind of thing I'm looking for in this series is Dallas Keuchel on Tuesday night, and I'll be there in, pertin- in person to uh, witness it. Hey, fear the beard time. I want to see Dallas Keuchel try and follow up on something that Lance Lynn did. That's what I want to see. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, we, we will see um, what this next series brings about. But once again, uh, White Sox fall today to the Royals 4-3 to three in extra innings, 10-inning affair, um, and that splits the – Two game technically home series will make up that third one, uh, the the Saturday game that was rained out later in May. Uh, as we you know uh, look ahead to the Indians here, um, like we said, four games set. Uh, first game Monday night, seven ten p.m. NBC Sports Chicago Plus because these Blackhawks baby are on the regular channel. So um, that's about it for the show. Tony, final thoughts, and then let's get the hell out of here. Final thoughts: Stop fucking leaving people in scoring position. Hit the ball. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about plate approach tonight. We saw some in- interesting things. Um, I, I'm not really identifying many patterns in hitters. Um, you know, this might get a little long-winded, but we saw Yohan Moncada come out and one at bat attacking first pitch. Then you see him, you know, 3-0 leave a fastball that's, you know, right in his wheelhouse, um, you know, that was the best pitch that he was going to see that at bat. Uh, you know, take that pitch and then, you know, wind up, you know, screwing up something else down the line. So there's there's a lot of inconsistent plate approaches I've seen across the team. You've seen it with Luis Robert. You've seen it with uh, Andrew Vaughn. You've seen it with Colin sometimes. Um, you know, the, the, the hitters are drawing a lot of walks, and that's great to see. But I want to see more contact out of this lineup. And guys yeah. like Nick Madrigal, who are just built on uh, making that contact, getting those singles, keeping the line moving, I have not seen – really any of that uh, just kind of momentum build. Uh, so you don't see these rallies. You don't see guys just driving them in. I mean, go back to Hawk Harrelson saying, don't stop now, boys. They're stopping every single fucking time. And that's what's, that's what's just really killing this offense. So I can double down on all your points and say that, but since you already elaborated them so eloquently, uh, I'm not going to, and I'm going to say top end bullpen guys, do your job. I know you're superstars. We know everyone knows you can be everybody talked about how scary this White Sox pitching is one through 13. And obviously the bullpen being one of the major strengths, best bullpen in the American league touted as it start performing like so. Aaron Bummer, Liam Hendricks, please get the job done. I love you guys. I'm not giving up on you, but let's start locking these down so we can, you know, talk about that. And obviously, hopefully have more runs behind you well, for all the points that Tony just listed. But I want to, when, when it is, some games are going to be close. That's just baseball. Let's lock it down, boys. I want to, I want to double down on both of those and start acting like you're a good baseball team. Just start, just start carrying that mentality that you are a good fucking baseball team because this is a good baseball team. They have, they have the cast of characters to be a good baseball team. Uh, you know, it's it's right there on paper. Um, and for all those people who want to talk about stats and everything, it's, it's it's all right there. Start acting like a good baseball team. Stop stop doing this whole like, you know, like cakewalk through the day. Start acting like you're professionals. Start taking this seriously. It seems like there's a little bit of just going through the motions going on here already mm-hmm. early in the year. Um, and, you know, I can't say whether or not that that's, you know, just due to some of the injuries that have happened, guys being down and out on some things, people feeling out new stuff, you know, the different restrictions that have come into this whole thing. But the talent is here. Start start going into these games with the mentality of I'm going to kick the opponent's ass. And I think you'll, you'll have a little bit of a different result because I haven't really seen that edge. Yeah, you put that perfectly. I I could complete completely uh, keep building on that, and we could have a you know five hour live stream here uh, talking about that. But I won't do that. 
Bats wake up. It's Cleveland get to their bullpen, uh, hurt the bullpen pitchers because we know the starters Mm -hmm. uh, for them are pretty, pretty solid. uh, But you can keep it close through that and and get to their bullpen, really do some damage from the sixth inning on. I think that's key uh, for this four game series coming up with the Cleveland Indians. So that does it. That was this episode of Sox on Tap Misery Beers here on April 11th, uh, Mm -hmm. recapping the White Sox four to three. Extra innings loss to the Kansas City Royals final in 10 there. Um, once again, White Sox are back in action tomorrow night uh, at home. Continue this homestand with the opening up a four-game set against Cleveland Indians, 7, 10 p.m. Uh, start time, Carlos Rodon on the mound for us. Uh, NBC Sports Chicago Plus when you're watching it there. So, um, once again, if you're going to ontapsportsnet.com uh, for all things uh, White Sox and all Chicago sports, uh, go and check it out. Uh, we've got everything that you need there, uh, both articles and podcasts and uh, go follow us on Twitter, connect with us on social media uh, at Sox on tap and at on tap sports net. And once again, get all of your white Sox and Chicago sports merch from grandstand grandstandsocks.com at grandstand socks on social media. Uh, they post some really cool shit um, and they have a lot of really cool designs and they do customization too. Yeah. Uh, so you can get your uh, ridiculous jerseys. Um, I, you know, you're a ridiculous jersey guy. I am a ridiculous jersey guy. We're in the Hawks by 91 last night. We'll see what kind of uh, ridiculousness can come about for the Sox here. Uh, but either way, I think Lance Lynn jersey is my next purchase. So we'll I, I have a feeling you'll have a Lance Lynn jersey on on you at some point uh, this season. Yeah, it might be. I might might have placed a better too. I, I'm thinking uh, black jersey. I got a I got like three white jerseys, so I think I only got two black jerseys. I think. The move is black jersey, even that ratio up uh, with the Lance Lynn jersey. And, of course, we're allowed to be buying grandstand socks uh, located right by the ballpark. Uh, you can also virtual shop grandstandsocks.com. So that wraps it up, Tony, here. Uh, let's get out of here. Three words, White Sox forever. White Sox forever.